So please do sit down. I'm going to show you a little clip now. This is also a cake-themed clip, which was ironic because I didn't realize Matthew's also showing one. So please take a little moment, a little minute to see the little clip. Thanks. Lovely. Now then, anyone got a little bit of dribble coming off this year? I have a little bit, like... Right, anyway, it's amazing what you can achieve when you put a bit of twinkly music with like a straightforward, I just bake the cake like an and put it in a nice box. But anyway, now then, but what is great about a cake, okay, is um, they taste nice, don't they? They are good. And I've been very fortunate growing up at a, a mother who has cooked and baked, and I've ate lots of cake as a kid, and my gran was a great cook, and my lovely wife is also amazing at making cakes. And I know there are very good bakers here today. I feel very blessed and honored. I have so many friends who can cook such wonderful things. So Victoria sponges, chocolate brownies, coffee walnut cakes, and chocolate eclair is my favorite. Now then, just you know, put that out there. Okay, but why make cakes? Just from the simplest of ingredients, they're not too expensive, you can make a variety of wonderful creations, can you not? Well, some of us can, some of us can't. But why, to the delight of the consumer, the recipient, those of us who love cakes, will of course appreciate a slice of cake. So why make a cake? For enjoyment, it may be a personal talent that you have, it's a hobby that you would you know, like to put your skills towards. Maybe some people make a living out of making cakes or they provide for someone else. Maybe it's to eat ourselves just for pure enjoyment. Maybe something as a treat for someone or a gift or, a, or an award. Maybe we just like being hospitable and treating one, uh, other people to a piece of cake. But making use of the ingredients is so important. And for some, if you watch some TV programs, it's like an art form, isn't it? How cakes can be made, taste like, and look so amazing. <clears throat> just out of the basics, butter, margarine, caster sugar, eggs, and flour. And then if you want to add a bit of taste and a, you know, a good-looking thing then, you can add some cream, some nuts, some fruit, some jam, some icing for you know, getting a good decoration, a good flavor, and a good check texture, and all this kind of stuff. Not that I know anything about this, but it's what Sean told me. <laughs> so with the raw ingredients and a baker prepared to bake, some outstanding results can be achieved. And we might not all be bakers here today, but I do believe that God gives us ingredients in life to go and bake a cake in life. And I mean a metaphorical cake. I mean, go and do something with what God gives us with our lives, which is something amazing, which helps others, something we find enjoyment in, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So what are the ingredients, us as a human being, God has given us. So I'll have a little think of that for a moment. And what type of cake are we baking during our lifetime? And that is like a little introduction just to touch upon the next story, really, that Jesus told from Matthew uh, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. And this is the parable of the talents. And in uh, the NIV, uh, they use bags of gold. Okay, so I'm going to read the, this out, okay, these verses. And then you can follow as well on the screen as well. Can I please borrow that? Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so I'll read it through it, and you can follow it on the screen as well, all right? So again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. 
After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has been given more and whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from there and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So not a good end there. But, uh, <laughs> and I do realize, I think I might need glasses. I couldn't see the last bit of that. Anyway, that's something interesting. Okay, so background and context of this kind of parable then. So the NIV uses, like I said, bags of gold to help us understand the parable. But looking at the original language and the translation, they use the word talent, okay? So a talent is like a unit of weight, and it varied during different times and eras and people groups. And around, since 3000 BC in the Gregorian calendar, Babylonians, Phoenicians, and later Hebrews used this kind of measurement of weight, okay? And a talent weighed around 3,000 shekels, which is roughly 35 kilograms. And this could be like used as a unit of precious metals or um, as like coin as well, how to weigh coins and things like that. So the actual value was dependent on whether it would be like a talent of gold or a talent of silver or a, or a talent of copper, whichever. And the English word which we use like talent, which describes like aptitude and test and skill and this kind of stuff, many people say finds its root um, for the meaning of this parable around about the 13th century. So the concept of talent is like based on like measurement and ability and skill and all this kind of stuff. So just trying to think back of, of what it meant at the time and how the words have developed over the years. So there's a link then between our skills and our abilities to something which is valuable and precious. So let's remind ourselves this morning that in God's sight, we are very special and precious because God gives things to each person individually, okay? So please do turn to the person next to you and say, did you know that you were very special? Or, or precious even? Or talented? <laughs> right, okay, so I heard people emphasizing you were very special. Did you know that? Okay, so, so the parable meaning. So the, we can take two slants. The, the, um, like the, the commentators put two slants on this, and I'm gonna very briefly touch on the first one, okay, but I'm not gonna focus on this for the talk. So the first kind of slant is there's a lot of attention on the useless servant, okay? So I'm being kind, you're saying useless servant, but Jesus uses the word wicked and lazy servant. So Jesus doesn't mince his words when it comes to telling this parable. So we get our idea around how you know, serious this parable is. 
And there's a strong suggestion that commentators say that this useless servant is a little bit like the scribes and the Pharisees and the keepers of the law because there was no flexibility with them. And when um, Jesus came to bring the message of grace and salvation and the kingdom of God, there was like no maneuver. There was no room for Jesus. There was just like the law, that confine, and there was no way of navigating a conversation with them. But of course, we do read in, in John in chapter three that Nicodemus, who was a, who was a religious man who, who was, knew you know, the law and everything else. He went to Jesus by night, had a conversation with him about what you know, is the kingdom of God like, and Jesus mentions to him about being born again and all this kind of stuff. We're not gonna go into that, but we can see for Nicodemus there was flexibility in his thinking, that he wanted to know who this Jesus was. He wanted to get to grips with you know, what God was doing, but for many of them, there was no room for maneuver. So they just wanted to keep the law exactly as it was, and there was no room for grace, there was no room for forgiveness, and it was just about the law, and there was just a shut mind to Jesus. So that's one little slant, okay, talking about the unfaithful servant. But I'm not gonna focus on that this morning, we're gonna look at something else, because there's more to this parable. It's far-reaching in its meaning, and not just for the people Jesus was speaking to that time, but for everyone throughout the generations. And of course, this is another kingdom of God um, story and message and illustration and, and you know Jesus is really getting to grips with people's thinking about you know what is the kingdom of God like and he used the parables to explain through stories you know these truths of God for, for us to easily understand and they were also challenges as well they were challenges that Jesus would lay out for the guys at the time and also for us, you know, reading these stories many, many years later. So there's life lessons to be heard and found and applied. So what I got then, we could just have a look at three um, little lessons that we can learn from this parable and then we'll be done for the morning, okay? And we can all head off on our way. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Yeah. Good. And sneak a drink of water in while you're responding to that question. Great. Okay, so the first thing, it tells us that God gives people different gifts. So in verse 15, it says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So the basics are, you know, the master is God, and he gives out to his servants, the people, uh, various different things. So not, uh, you know, there is no people at all whatsoever who've never been given something of God. God gives all of us, whether, you know, we're a relational person, he gives us the ability to communicate to people and to be kind and all this kind of stuff, the basic raw materials of being someone who knows God in relationship. So it's not a person's talent that matters, but it's how a person uses that, their talent is what matters in this parable and story, okay? So it's how we go about what God has given us in life. So God doesn't like demand abilities which we have not got. He does not require us to use the he does require us to use abilities we have. And nobody is like equal in talent. When we look at the television screen and we see you know the superstars and the football players and the cricketers and the sports people and the musicians and the artists, we know for a fact that we people are very you know, everyone has different talents, do they not? And some people are amazingly talented at some things, some people develop into things, etc., etc. But what this parable is getting at is not the amount of talent a person has as such, but it's the faithfulness of using those talents, those gifts, those things that God gives us in our life. But what is important is that although no one is like equal in talent, but we can be equal in effort, equal in effort. So this parable tells us whatever talent we have, little or great, we 
it is important to lay it down before God, to lay it out before God and to serve with it. So we get opportunities in life, seasons in life, to use what God has given us. And a person with a minimal, minimal ability, for example, wouldn't be loaded up with a heavy talent or responsibility, a five-talent responsibility if, you know, you've only got this certain amount of talent. So, for example, if someone came to me and said, Adam, will you deliver Brexit? And I would say, no. <laughs> okay? One, I totally don't understand all of it, and if, you know, laws of, you know, other people can't do it, then surely I can't. I might be able to deliver a pizza, Forgive me the right instructions, that is a possibility. I might be able to do that. I might be, be able to deliver a letter to someone's letterbox. And at a push, pun the pun, I might be able to help someone deliver a baby, maybe. Who knows, if I was ever called into an emergency situation. But I know Carlis, who's trying to be a midwife, would manage that no problem at all. Okay, so, but you know, I don't have the talent to deliver Brexit or these various other things in life, but God gives us certain things which we can use faithfully. So someone like with a strong and great ability in a certain area then would you know, find things like as if they'd be underachieving or perhaps find it you know, difficult if they're given this massive responsibility of perhaps running a country, for example, but then they're called upon to go and make breakfast for, you know, half the community and do this and do that and do the other. And they're like taken away from their main responsibilities in life. Okay, so that may be a little bit jumbled, but what we're considering here is God looks at the faithfulness of how we steward all that he gives to us. And we find the quality in our faithfulness and effort. So the important thing is not to like c compare one to another in life and see, oh, well, this person does this, this person does that, and that person does this, and I'm not like them. And, and that is fine. You know, we're not called to be like other people. We're called to be the person God has made us and the stuff that God has given us and the different little things God has given us to do uh, with our lives. And that is the important thing then, is to take and grab hold of all that God has given us in life and faithfully serve God with that thing. And that is the important part of this parable that, that Jesus is explaining about. So 30 years ago, down at Llanelli Town Centre, I used to have a little stroll about with my friends and stuff like that. And I'd go around Llanelli, and that would be a Saturday uh, day out. And one of the textbook things that we would do for lunch is when you get hungry in Llanelli, you go and get a pasty, a corned beef pasty, okay? You want a bit of a snack, it's affordable, tastes nice, and you go and you get a corned beef pasty, okay? Right, the dilemma would be, back in those days, you had two good bakers in Llanelli. You'd have Jenkins and you'd have Sweetman's, okay? Sweetman's no longer in business in this area. But Jenkins, yes, they are. And Jenkins was where I would go for a pasty. I'd go to get other things from Sweetman's, but for a pasty, we'd go to Jenkins. And there's something genuine and authentic about a family business. Jenkins would be, you know, it's like a family-run business, and Sweetman's was as well. And uh, it's good, like, supporting the community, and the, their produce was amazing. But you could see that when there's a family business run, it is so important to work hard, isn't it, to make it work and to operate uh, successfully. It provides a service for others, there's purpose involved, there's productivity, enterprise, welfare of staff and customers and all this kind of thing. 
and uh, there's owners and area managers and bakers and sales and cleaners, and there's all different people responsible for different parts of that family business. And when God dishes out gifts and talents and ability into our lives, he's like giving out gifts so that we can like serve in the family business. We serve in the church place. We serve in our communities. We serve where we're called to work. We serve in our homes. And God calls us to be faithful in those things and to participate in the kingdom of God as a priority for our lives, to be you know, faithful with those things that God has given us. So this parable suggests to me that it's like not to lay aside or to bury what God has given us to bless others. So it's like being like faithful with what God has given us and to be to really get to grips with like being intentional with our lives. So the five talent person we read there went straight to work is what we read. So he realizes that the master's given him something and he was gonna go straight away and use what the master's given him and put it to work. So doing things with a purpose is so important and to get deliberate with our lives is so important. When Sean and I were like 18, we first came along to the Cornerstone Church plant, which had only been going for about a year or so, and there was like 12 people meeting in the North Penland Community Center. We went up there, and um, we just felt the heart of God in that place through the people, and it was amazing, and we discussed, as we were like looking for a church, we just recently become Christians. It was like God saying, look, Adam, give your life to me, come here, get trained up, serve me here. Some simple thoughts at age 18, and it was like one of those like connections to God, yeah, God, I will do that. I'll get trained up and serve you, simple as that. And then just get on with whatever God has given you to do to serve him and get on with it. That was a kind of very simple way of putting it, but that's how it worked, and here we are many years later. Anyway, but there are certain exceptions I know that can affect us. Maybe, you know, we're elderly or we have sickness or, there's, you know, we're in a season or time of Sabbath. Maybe we're incapacitated for some reason. Maybe we struggle with a mental health difficulty that we struggle with. And it is so important to have and show care and sensitivity to everyone because God knows our capacities. He knows our, you know, the, the, the difficulties that we have as well and the limitations that we have as well and the seasons that each of us go through. But when we kind of look at the, the basics of this parable, it's talking about like faithfulness in God. It is really as simple as that and trusting him in many things. Okay, so um, in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, it says this, okay? So God has given each of you a gift for his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift of speaking? And speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So there's this link here of like honoring God and like when we go about our business and it is like honoring God, giving glory to God and saying thanks to God and this kind of stuff. So the expression here in that Peter um, verse there is that when we express ourselves in using the different gifts that God has given us, it is like out of earnest love for one another. That is our motivation, is love. Because we love one another, we get about our business of being faithful to God in our lives because that really does, like God multiplies that kind of kindness and love within, within the place. And venue 10 says that each is given, implies that every person is, is given something of God in their lives to participate in, in the life of church. Now, 
you know, whatever we have, we're all perfectly capable of like sitting down next to someone and having a conversation and encouraging and ask, asking how, how your day is and this kind of stuff. And even those basic things, being relationally kind to one another, being interested in one another's life, that is, I think, like a real basic, you know, skill and talent to have and gift to have of being like merciful and kind to people. So, you know, there aren't really any excuses not to use our giftings in God because there are many relational things that God gives us to encourage one another, to bless one another in their journeys and this kind of stuff. So can you see, it's like we don't have to be like the top, you know, drummer or singer or, you know, speaker or, you know, Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be those things to be serving God. It's like faithful with what God has given us and whatever that may be, each of us is different. So a person can function with a variety of abilities. Of course, we can be empowered, of course, by the Holy Spirit. And in the, the Bible, is five different lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. They're all up there. And if you have a little look through those and a little glance through those, you kind of think, oh, yeah, we kind of need all that stuff going on in church life for it to operate well. In fact, we probably need a lot of that to be happening in our workplaces and in our homes and in and the, the, the different organizations we may be linked to. And all these different giftings here are, are called like spiritual gifts in the Bible. And of course, there are other gifts as well in our lives. You know, we may be artisans, we may have practical skills, we may be um, carpenters or builders or this kind of stuff, all right? So there's lots of stuff that God uses in our lives. So the idea is to be fruitful and productive with these things that God uh, gives to us. And it's not just about, you know, just the spiritual gifts, but there's many other abilities and talents that we have as well and can develop in our lives. Of course, you know, if I looked around the room here today and over the many years that I've been part of the church here, I could list loads and loads and loads of gifts of people here I know who are really kind and sacrificial and servant-hearted in all that they do. And there's many people here I don't know and I'm really interested to get to know you and find out you know, what you're about and who you are and all this kind of stuff. And, but God you know, knows you very personally and he knows all that you're about. Now, Sean, the guy who was doing um, our men's weekend, many of us know him, many of us may not. So he is like teaching, he's got a teacher's job, he does our kids' sports here, you know, he, does, he goes to do Sunday school, he's getting involved in the men's stuff. He got involved in Soul Survivor over the last few years. And just a little example, you know, you can see like, you know, God's gifting at work and like being faithful and, and using that to, to, to serve others in it. I think that's really good. Our very own Tommy, who did the kids spot here this morning. Now, Tommy, you're not allowed to laugh. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy, I apologize for the front row there. <clears throat> now, <laughs> so Tommy, you no know, does kids spot. But if you only to see Tommy on a Sunday morning, can I tell you church isn't Sunday morning? It's a little tiny snapshot of life where we meet together. Life is all the other hours of the week and the months and the years where we're in community together, okay? So that, you know, church is just a little snapshot on a Sunday morning there. Now, now Tammy, right, very gifted kid spot teacher, but she's an amazing administrator. I've got a, I've got a list here, Tammy, right, so don't get, you know, too excited, you know. Serving gift, chair of the trustees, safeguarding policies and procedures, accounts, policies, marriage registrar. She cares for numerous people and, I, and she just quietly gets on with it behind the scenes. You know, I see these things working at the office and knowing Tammy for many years. You know, never went in a pat on the back, just gets on with it, okay? But you can see in Tammy's life, from knowing her as a, um, a teenager, really, because when you came as a student, you're probably about 19, we're, we're similar ages, Tammy's a little bit older than me. And, um, <laughs> 
But over the years, and now 46 and 45, all those, all those gifts being put into place, and I just want to use that as an example, really, of what can happen when we give God our lives. You know, it is amazing because it's not just our own personal life that benefits when we find purpose in God and serving God, and that is amazing and exciting, but it is like the multiplication of that and who it affects and who it helps and who it you know, caters for later down the road. So it's just like that verse about going and expressing our gifts because we love one another and that is so important. And this little picture here, Tammy's also, she's keen on health and safety, okay? Health and safety officer. And last week, her boys were out kayaking or something like that and, they, and it looked from you from a distance that they might have been in trouble. So you were on the phone to the 999 who do and you were asking for the emergency services, and when they asked you for the emergency service, you said, the water ones. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? Well done, Tammy. In safe hands, if you feel you're in trouble, please do go and see Tammy. You know we all get rewarded, don't you? When, when we go to heaven, you know that, don't you? For, you know, our faithfulness and stuff like that. Well, I got an RNLI hat, do you feel? <laughs> Just as a little token. Well done, Tammy. All right. Great. Well then, Helen spotted that in buttons. You may want to give it a wash first, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. Okay, so moving on. Sorry to embarrass you. So great, so in our jobs in the community, in our home life, in our church community, these are the things God has called us to be faithful in. So what are the talents God's given us? Just think for a moment. We've been going through like a year to grow as a church. Are there areas where we're seeing an increase in growth in our lives this year? And if not, maybe next year, you know, what are those things which we're seeing God at work in? Maybe we just become a parent or we're getting to grips with parenthood and this kind of stuff. Or maybe we moved home or doing a new course and this kind of stuff. Where is God growing us? And what can we learn from the unfaithful servant? Well, mainly not to neglect what God has given us and the responsibilities God has given us in our lives. Okay, so that's the first little lesson. The second lesson then is um, the reward of working well is still more work to do. It says in this verse, so take the bag of gold for him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. So the two servants who had done well are told not to chill out and take it easy and go on early, early retirement, lol. Okay, it's like there's more work to do, okay? Now then, of course, you know, I'm not knocking early retirement. If you can do it, go for it. But, you know, don't like just sit on the you know, couch and read the newspaper all day long, still do something like that. Keep yourself, you know, busy and occupied and, you know, chugging on in life like that. Don't, you know, chill out and, you know, you lose a bit of purpose, and, you know, I think, anyway, I may be wrong. Anyway, they're given more to do, greater tasks and greater responsibilities in the work of the master. So there's a, like a cultural quote that we use and, and we hear it from time to time. If you need something done, ask a busy person to do it. Well, yeah, that can quite often be quite true, you know? People who tend to be, like, on the ball and active, they, you know, they do have, like, task lists and stuff like that. I'm sorry, I might be a little bit biased because I'm one of these lists kinds of people, all right? But um, as opposed to perhaps a person who, who just lives life for downtime and leisure and that kind of stuff, sometimes, you know, quite aren't on the ball as such and perhaps you'd be, like, a little bit hesitant to ask them to go and do something, certain particular things. And I'm not knocking that, but I just want to get to, you know, Let's try the best as we can to, to get on with activities and, and stuff that we're responsible for and do it um, kindly and do it um, punctually and 
those kinds of words, you know, just getting on with things we've been asked to do, I suppose. Okay, so obviously, a healthy work-life balance is critical for our overall health, purpose, and enjoyment of life. So it was more of like, let's not get slip into like a rut or a, or a lazy rut, but use our time wisely. You know, if we're having a rest, you know, use it wisely and get that balance in life is very important, okay? And you know your situations and all that kind of stuff when it's time to rest, time to play, time to work, etc., etc. So there's this work sandwich that I call it in life, and that is we're called to work. It's an ancient call. God led by example by what we read in um, Genesis. And there's a joy and a purpose to, to, to doing the things that God has given us in our lifetime. It's that like in between time. So God calls us to work, we do the work, and then eventually we, we hear about like we rule and we reign with Christ as well. So there's this kind of sandwich that takes place. It's like being called by God, getting on with it, and it's like, it's not just for now, it's for the future as well, in basic words, okay? So in Genesis 2, verse 3, it says this. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And the interesting thing here is that word sabbat is to cease, okay? That, that word there. And God created from achievement, but not inactivity. So God created the world, yet he still nurtures what he's created. So we kind of get a feel for, you know, God, yes, he set like a Sabbath aside and helps us understand that. But like he's created everything, takes, you know, he's achieved all this stuff, but, you know, the world is still ticking, it's still going on, if you know what I mean. So we hear about this big blowout in John 5, okay, where Jesus claims to be the son of God, and it says this. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules, but Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So there's like this kind of pattern for life that we see unfolding here. It's like taking a rest from achieving and replenishing, continually being responsible for many things, but still finding the time to recover and rest as well. So we have our homes and our families and our jobs and our ministries, and we care for people and we have relationships. And these things don't go away, do they? So we, we do need to rest, but these things and responsibilities don't go away either. So there's this combination of finding the right rest but we're still responsible for stuff as well. So we recognize a Sabbath rest as good practice, but don't turn it like into a religious um, law and this kind of stuff. So Genesis 2 verse 15 says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it and take care of it. So this work and take care of is like a great call. And God's creation is like we're delegated to look after it. Okay, so we pick up that kind of... Um, responsibility in our lives, that God has called us to work and to take care of certain things in our lives. And then finally in Genesis 1 verse 20, it says this, God blessed them and said them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So this blessing here is not just a gift, but also a function as well. So this is where, you know, we are called by God to, to, to to get on with these kinds of things. And then there's a lovely little verse in Colossians 3, verse 23, and it goes like this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So that's the kind of like the flavor of approaching our work in life. So there's an ancient call to work and a couple of examples of how uh, to go about it. 
Okay, so we understand from this parable then that being faithful and hardworking now relates to our future responsibilities as well, and not to compare ourselves with others, but focus on the God-given work that he's given us individually and corporately to do. Okay then, and the final lesson that we're looking at uh, this morning before I finish is this, that we don't be afraid to have a try, to give it a go, give things a go in life. It says here in verse 25, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So the man with the one talent didn't lose his talent, but he just didn't do anything with it. If he'd at least tried to do something with it and failed, you know, at least, you know, he's tried, isn't it? I think when we try things in life, that is important to do that. So fear can rule us and rob us of opportunity, prevent us from like flourishing in the things that God has called us to, or trying things out for, for the first time. And many of us have tried things frightened, have we not? but managed to give it a try anyway. So I don't know if anyone of you has ever done their driving test. I'm sure many of us have. In general life, you get frightened, don't you? You get frightened. This is quite an ironic picture, actually. <laughs> so very quick, short, short little story. Last night at 4.35, we heard an almighty crash outside my house and um, went out, first one on the scene, and there was a car like that in the field next to my house. A guy had hit the railings and gone over. So anyway. Don't drive like that, basically. Um, so yes, yeah, so we do things frightened in life, do we not? We a driving test, don't be very nervous about doing that, but you do it anyway, because you wanna get something out of that. We find independence and flexibility, and we can give lifts and all this kind of stuff when we pass our driving test. If you go and sit an exam, usually we would feel a little bit nervous, or a little bit afraid of the thought. Well, why do you do that? Well, to get the qualification that may enhance um, our knowledge and raise our skills. Maybe we're the type of person who is a bit nervous in like new situations or new surroundings or with new people, and we go and sit in a room or we, we go to a class or we go to a training seminar or we, we go into an appointment or something, and we're a little bit nervous, but we find that we strike up conversation or we make a new friend or learn something new about somebody. Maybe we visit a doctor or a dentist. I don't know if you're a fan of going to a doctor or a dentist. I'm certainly not. But we go because we want our health to be looked after and we want some advice and we seek some help and this kind of stuff. So we go and do things frightened at times. Having children, maybe. You know, we, we, we embark on the journey of parenting. You know, these things, a little bit of trepidation, plus a little bit of excitement, but, you know, there's all this kind of stuff. The new things that we go for, but we're a little bit afraid but you know, God is with us, and that is the important thing, that we, we can continue to like, follow God in the fear, I suppose, because he's with us, and we can trust in him, and it's always worth giving things a little try. Okay, and um, going back to the leaders' conference that we had here back earlier this year in June, I think it was June, um, a gentleman stopped me outside the door here, and he said, oh, can I have a chat with you a moment? He said, I don't know if you remember, but about three or four years ago, you, we were all being prayed for, and you prayed for me, and you kind of had this prophetic kind of word about me being involved in evangelism and speaking with people and seeing them become Christians, and God would really use me in this area. Well, I've got to say, when I heard you say that, I thought you were well off the wall, because I don't really like people that much, and I can't see me being in evangelism, and... I've been really shocked because over the last couple of years, I've been getting involved in this mission to Wales thing. I've been going out in the streets and I've seen loads of people become Christians and I can't believe it and I can't get enough of telling people about Jesus. So it kind of went back to like four years where he was like, this isn't my life. I don't want to do this. I am afraid. And he kind of somewhere along the lines, he's kind of taken a risk and trusted in God. And all of a sudden he's found this new passion 
and amazing things that God is doing in his life. And the fruit and the multiplication of that is other people have come to hear the message of Jesus and they become Christians. And that is, that's quite amazing, isn't it? I, I like stories like that because it is real and genuine. This is a guy genuinely struggling and finding things difficult, trying something, God at work, and he's seen something amazing happen. So I think that is great. And finally, the last little story is, Matthew mentioned a little bit earlier on about the chairs that we did and like a little gift towards um, something going on in a church in Kamada in Bethel there. When we did go through a little like journey ourselves, we were venue too, and um, we opened this place up and we, we had people, friends of the church, you know, encouraging us and stuff like that. And like God was helping us understand that we're not too small or it's not that we haven't got enough money and, you know, we're not lame. We can do this thing and God was at work in us. And we, all of us, like together, didn't we? We kind of went in this journey with God and stepped out in faith and this kind of stuff. And I feel like Venue has been a real help for, for, for us as a church, but also for the wider church as well in the nation and, you know, the, the story that people hear of, of what's been going on here. And it is like a real like multiplication thing. And an old pal of mine, his name is Floyd Merrills. He's that big one with a shiny head there on the right-hand side. Yeah, right-hand side. So Floyd is an old pal of mine from my old engineering days. He's like six foot six, and he's massive. And um, he, he's quite a quiet man. But he came to our opening, okay, he came late. I remember him standing in the door in the corner there, and he went early as well, but he left a little card. And when I opened the card, when, when he'd gone and stuff like that, it was like a little picture of an acorn, and on it he put these words, may the acorn you planted turn into a mighty oak. So this is someone who, he's not like a Christian, doesn't have a church background, he just knows me and that kind of stuff, okay? But there was something within that statement from someone just looking from the outside, not involved, recognizing that, yeah, when we plant something small in faith, trusting God in it, amazing things can happen. Amazing things can happen, and that is wonderful to do that. So let's have a try. Let's um, have a look into our lives and see what God has put in there and what we're doing and stuff that we may be already involved in, and ask God to, to reveal to us, you know, like what those ripples happen when we come to serving God in our lives as individuals and as a church as well. And this parable, another Jesus story, the kingdom of heaven, being faithful with what God has given us, okay? So let's close our eyes on that. Um, is that. Okay, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. We thank you for uh, your love. And even in this uh, parable here that uh, we read about, Lord, about, you know, people being like faithful with what you've given them and those who hide things, Lord, and are not willing to share and not willing to serve others and, and just keeping, you know, things under wraps and not honoring you, Lord. We just wanna, you know, recognize that this doesn't have to be like a heavy kind of story or a heavy situation, but we really do see the reality, you know, the difference of, of uh, being faithful against, you know, like, shying away from, from all that you've given us, Lord. So we pray that we be, be those, Lord, who are prepared to like sow the seed and to be kind and generous, Lord, in our actions, in our words, and all this kind of stuff. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great, thanks, guys.